Hello, and welcome to Notes in the Week Ahead, a JP Morgan Asset Management podcast that provides insights on the markets and the economy to help you stay informed in the week ahead. Hello, this is David Kelly. I'm Chief Strategist here at JP Morgan Asset Management. Today is December 5th, 2022. At 8.30am on the first Friday of every month, the Labour Department releases its monthly jobs report. By 8.35am, the network scriptwriters deliver a verdict to the teleprompters. Jobs either skyrocketed or plunged. The job market was either red hot or stalling out. And either way, investors need to be worried. No middle ground will keep an audience. Last Friday, both the overall gain in payroll jobs and the growth in average hourly earnings exceeded expectations, and so the job market was pronounced to be red hot, with the obligatory warning that this means even higher interest rates. In reality, however, we receive a flood of labour market data at the start of each month. These data form a mosaic, which can provide a much broader perspective on the state of the job market. This more balanced view suggests that the labour market is actually cooling off and is likely to continue to do so, allowing the Fed to wrap up its tightening cycle. Importantly, markets tend to anticipate actual economic data, with both bonds and stocks rallying in recent weeks on prospects for less hawkish Fed action. The key implication for investors is that it is worth taking the time to appreciate the job market mosaic now and position assets accordingly, rather than wait for media headlines to belatedly overstate what is plain to see today. The two biggest surveys put out on the first Friday of the month provide rich and often conflicting details on the state of labour market demand and supply. These reports are supplemented by other government data and multiple private sector surveys. Collectively, they paint a picture which can tell us a great deal about the direction of the US economy and financial markets. Some key conclusions can be drawn from recent reports. One, the job market is actually cooling down. Two, wage growth isn't pushing inflation higher. Three, demographics rather than attitudes are responsible for weak labour supply. And fourth, employment is a lagging economic indicator, while stocks and bonds are leading indicators. So don't wait for a labour market all clear to position assets for a slower growing, less inflationary economy. Let's start with the pace of job gains. Total payroll employment rose by 263,000 in November, which, while technically the smallest gain in two and a half years, was well ahead consensus expectations for a 200,000 gain. However, there are a number of reasons to believe that this overstates job market strength. First, within the payroll report itself, 23,000 jobs were subtracted from job gains over the the prior two months. Second, the number of temporary workers, which tends to be a leading labour market indicator, fell for a fourth consecutive month. Third, within the payroll survey, the Labour Department uses what's known as a birth-death model to adjust numbers for new firms being formed or going out of business. The adjustments added 455,000 to the growth of non-farm payrolls in October and 14,000 to non-farm payrolls in November. However, this model is notoriously bad at picking up business cycle turns. If the labour market is weakening, it probably won't show up in the payroll report first. So what about other measures? The government's household survey, admittedly more volatile than the payroll survey, registered a second consecutive monthly decline in employment in November, with the number of workers falling by 138,000. Initial unemployment claims fell slightly in the latest week and remain at very low levels. However, a four-week moving average of claims has been rising slowly since hitting a trough at the end of September. Continuing unemployment claims have been rising more significantly and have now hit their highest level since February. 
In the government's job openings and labour turnover survey, openings, while still very high, continue to trend down in October, as did hiring the number of people voluntarily quitting their jobs. Layoffs remain very low. Looking at private sector data, layoff announcements in November, according to Challenger Gray and Christmas, hit their highest level since January 2021. Weekly gains in staffing employment have slowed, according to the American Staffing Association, and the employment component of the ISM Manufacturing Index fell in November, hitting its second weakest level of the year. In addition, the gap between those reporting jobs plentiful and jobs hard to get in the Conference Board Consumer Confidence Survey ticked up slightly in November, but is still at its second lowest level since the spring of 2021. Adding it all up, it looks clear that unemployment growth is continuing to lose momentum as 2022 draws to a close. On the issue of wage growth, average hourly earnings for all workers rose six-tenths of a percent in November, well above consensus expectations for a three-tenths of a percent gain, while upward revisions to prior months helped boost the year-over-year gain to 5.1%, while consensus was just 4.6%. This was genuinely stronger than expected and should add to concerns that inflation will fall more slowly in the service sector going forward. However, it should be noted that these wage gains are still lagging well below inflation, with consumer prices rising by 7.7% over the past year. This suggests that workers are actually struggling to get wage increases to keep up with inflation, and that as headline inflation and economic activity moderate in the months ahead, wage inflation will likely follow suit. It should also be noted that the average work week ticked down from 34.5 hours to 34.4 hours in November, likely reflecting the impact of bad weather during the survey week and an unusually high number of people calling in sick, likely due to COVID. A fall in hours has often been correlated with a rise in average hourly earnings in the past. On labour supply, many commentators have noted that the labour force participation rate remains well below pre-COVID levels. This is actually an important part of a more optimistic narrative in economic growth, as it suggests that employment can continue to grow strongly for some time as potential workers re-enter the labour market in a lagged response to better wage growth and the expiration of government emergency benefits. However, the labour supply reality is more complicated. Using not seasonally adjusted data, we can take a detailed look at labour supply in November 2022, compared to November 2019. The first statistic that jumps off the page is the fact that the labour force participation rate, that is the percent of the civilian population aged 16 and over that is either working or actively looking for a job, has fallen significantly by 1.16 percentage points. However, the main reason for this is the ageing of the population. Over that same period of time, the number of Americans aged 18 to 64 rose by just two-tenths of a percent while the number aged 65 and older soared by 7.2%. Since Americans over the age of 65 are much less likely to be in the labor force, this alone accounts for most of the decline in overall labor force participation. The labor force participation rate for the population aged 18 to 64 only fell by 0.39% over the same period. That decline of 0.39% amounts to roughly 600,000 missing workers. This could sadly be entirely explained by long COVID. In the Census Bureau's online Household Pulse survey, roughly 50,000 people aged 18 and over are interviewed every few weeks, and they've recently been asked questions about long COVID, defined as having COVID symptoms that lasted three months or longer. In the latest survey, conducted in early November, 1.6% said that they currently had long COVID in a way that significantly reduced their ability to carry out their day-to-day -day activities. Unlike COVID fatalities, the prevalence of long COVID does not increase by age among adults and is more severe among women than men. It also amounts to roughly 3 million people between the ages of 18 and 64, more than enough to account for a shortfall in labour force participation. 
In addition, while we'd all like to be done with COVID, government data continue to show a high level of illness. Indeed, in November, almost 3.9 million workers called in sick for part of all the survey week, the highest November total on record, and about 1.3 million, or 50% higher than the average between 2010 and 2019. Even with vaccines, COVID will likely inhibit labor supply for a long time to come. The bottom line with this is that absent some surge in legal immigration, there is no reserve army of potential workers ready to supplement employment growth in the months ahead. Finally, on markets, it's worth remembering that while the labor market generally lags trends in overall economic activity, financial markets tend to lead it. Indeed, as we show on page 17 of the Guide to the Markets, in eight of the last nine recessions, the stock market had a trough before the trough in the economic recession. And in nine of the last nine recessions, the unemployment rate hit a peak after the trough in the, labor, in the stock market. This pattern may be playing out again. Since peaking at 4.25% on October 24th, the 10-year Treasury yield has drifted down to 3.51% as of last Friday. Since troughing at 3,583 on October 14th, the S&P 500 has now risen by 13.6% to 4.4072. Even with these gains, of course, both the stock and bond markets are down very sharply for the year, and great uncertainty remains about the outlook for the economy, geopolitical issues, and the extent of further labour market tightening. Still, a reasonable view of the labour market today is that it is not red hot and likely to cool further, setting up the potential for a further recovery in both stocks and bonds in the months ahead. Well, that's it for this week. Please tune in again next week, and if you have any questions in the meantime, please reach out to your JP Morgan representative. This content is intended for information only based on assumptions in current market conditions and are subject to change. No warranty of accuracy is given. This content does not contain sufficient information to support investment decisions. It is not to be construed as research, legal, regulatory, tax, accounting, or investment advice. Investments involve risks. Investors should seek professional advice or make an independent evaluation before investing. The value of investments and the income from them may fluctuate, including loss of capital. Past performance and yield are not indicative of current or future results. Forecasts and estimates may or may not come to pass. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide.